Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. Today's episode is in partnership with my good friend Corinne, the founder of The Doodle Pro. She shared a question with me from one of her members of the Doodle Pro's Honor Society about her doodle's behavior. So this question is about a multi-poo who is just shy of a year and a half of age, and we had some growling episodes recently with the dog's little human sister who's about the age of seven. So I'm excited to read you this person's question and to dive in and see if we can talk a little bit about this young dog's behavior and what might be going on. So I hope you buckle your seatbelt while we dive in to discussing doodle dog behavior and how it impacts family dynamics. So before I read you the question, I want to just mention a little bit about why Corinne and I work so closely together. Doodles are such popular family dogs, and so many of Corinne's students have children because a lot of people who are looking for a family-friendly dog choose to get some type of a doodle. Now, in case you aren't familiar with what a doodle actually is, it is an intentional breed mix between a poodle, generally, at least somewhere in the recent ancestry, and another type of dog. So in this case, the dog that we're going to be talking about is called a multi-poo, which tends to be a mix between a Maltese, which is a lap dog, a toy breed, and a poodle of some type. Now, sometimes doodles are created from breeding doodles to doodles, and sometimes they are created from breeding a specific breed, such as a Bernese Mountain Dog or an Old English Sheepdog, to a larger poodle. So, first of all, I wanted to just make sure that everybody knew what a doodle was before we dive in. But in this particular case, the timing was perfect. I was about to sit down for my first podcast since I've gotten over COVID, and one of Corinne's students asked this perfect question that seemed to be the ideal topic for today's show. Here is the question. Can you help me with the dog growling when my daughter, age seven, approaches him? It tends to happen when he is sleeping or resting. Previously, we understood why, as her movements could be unpredictable, or he had good reason to think she was going to try to move him. But that's no longer the case, and it still happens sometimes, even when she's being very calm and gentle. They have a great relationship otherwise. The only other times he growls at anyone are occasional resource guarding, and lately if I try to pick him up and bring him to his crate. Well, there is a lot to break down in this question, and 
overall, I want to start with saying that what I'm seeing is a dog who does not enjoy having things happen to him and around him without his consent. So this dog is almost a year and a half old and is approaching what we call social maturity. And at this developmental stage in a dog, we often see the dog becoming more assertive in regards to issues that relate to the dog's body, the dog's space, the dog's autonomy, etc. It can often be a time when we start to see dogs stop becoming friendly with all other dogs because puppies tend to really love being social, and that's developmentally appropriate. But at a certain age, many dogs stop being super, as we say, dog friendly. So in this particular case, this type of behavior is consistent with this dog's maturing and being more comfortable expressing himself. So Growling overall is a form of communication that warns us that the dog is feeling unsafe or unsettled or stressed in some way. And usually growling is something that happens after the dog has already given us many clues that they have been uncomfortable already. Now, I need to say, because we're focusing this episode in particular on doodle behavior, that depending on how the dog is groomed, doodles can be difficult to read. And the reason I say this is because oftentimes doodles are very floofy and fluffy, and sometimes their hair covers their eyes a little bit. Sometimes they're, uh, they've got a very thick coat that prevents us from being able to see if there are subtle differences in the dog's body tension. And so depending on how this particular dog is groomed, we may or may not be able to notice some of the subtle signs of stress that you might otherwise notice in perhaps a short-coated dog. So I wanted to say this because I think it's important that we are able to look at the whole picture of a dog's behavior. So if we notice that a dog starts to lick their lips, or if we start to notice that we're seeing the whites around their eyes, which of course is difficult if a dog has a long, big, thick coat, then if we see those types of behaviors, then we can often intervene before the dog even escalates to a growl. Now, what this student says is that this growling tends to happen when the dog is sleeping or resting. So what I will suggest or hypothesize is that the dog doesn't like being surprised. And it's not always in the mindset of a seven-year-old child to let the dog know they're coming. And so this dog is frustrated and possibly scared or alarmed or so startled that growling is the quite natural response as she approaches. So if we would like to alter the dynamic between the daughter who's seven and this dog, we need to change some of their interactions. Now this can be a little bit difficult and I don't want these parents to feel like they're not doing a great job because they joined the Doodle Pros Honor Society, so obviously they want what's best for their dog. But they do need to make some changes in the relationship between the daughter and dog. 
Now, what I would suggest here is that the daughter have some guidelines for how she approaches the dog, how she interacts with this dog. So one rule that I typically try to use when I am working with families who have kids and dogs is that when the child is developmentally old enough and capable enough of following directions is that we have a pretty strict guideline that we never approach a dog who is sleeping or resting. So if the girl wants to pet the dog, then she needs to wait until the dog is awake. And ideally, she will invite the dog to her so the dog has a choice and has the opportunity to opt out. But a dog who is sleeping or resting doesn't have the opportunity to opt out if they feel sabotaged and approached without permission. Developmentally, some kids have trouble following directions, and if somebody who is listening has kids younger than seven, typically kids who are up to the age of five or six, following directions may not necessarily be something that you can hang your hat on or rely on. And so in those cases, I like to give the dogs a safe place to sleep where the child cannot approach. So even if they wanted to, they would be prevented from doing so. An example of how you could do this would be to have the dog's bed enclosed inside of a pen, for example, or in a part of the house where you can close a baby gate or have some other type of barrier that prevents the child from approaching the sleeping dog. So what we're doing here is we are setting up the child for success so that she can't make a mistake. At the end of the day, we need to realize that a dog who growls is uncomfortable and ideally the result of the growl would be that the girl moves away and gives the dog space. But if we really want to be excellent, amazing, thoughtful parents to this dog, what we need to do is we need to prevent the dog from being in that situation in the first place. And oftentimes that means that we need to use management to set everyone up for success. This mom does comment that the dog and child have a great relationship in other circumstances. And I think that's amazing. And I love to hear stories like that. But what I want this family to understand is that it is likely that the dog and girl have a great relationship when consensual activities are happening between them. So when they're awake and you're involved and you can help to guide their activities and help them be structured, then they can do really well together because both of them feel seen, both of them feel safe, and you can redirect anything that you feel is inappropriate. The mom says that he also sometimes growls with occasional resource guarding and also if she tries to pick him up and bring him to his crate. So I will go back to what I was saying earlier in the episode about how this dog is starting to express himself regarding issues that relate to consent and when he doesn't feel that he has the opportunity to opt out. So for example, if she approaches him and scoops him up to move him, he hasn't been asked politely to move, most likely. So what I love to do with smaller dogs in particular is I teach them a cue that I say before I pick them up. Because I think when you're a small dog, 
it can be really unsettling to be grabbed and moved all the time because it's convenient to do so. And so I can feel for them because I'm a small person and people used to pick me up and it was fun for them, but it was not fun for me. So I like to try to help my smaller dogs to feel safe and not feel like things are happening without their permission. So what I like to do is say a word consistently every time before I pick them up. The word that I use for my own dogs is scoop because it's a word I remember, but also it's a word that relates to what I'm about to do. So I approach the dog, I make sure they're aware that I'm there, and I say, scoop, in that pitched voice, scoop, like that. And then I reach down and I pick them up. And sometimes I say, scoop, pick them up, and have a really yummy treat in my hand and pop one in their mouth if they're interested so that I can try to build a positive association with the fact that I have just picked them up. Now, for some dogs who are growling when you pick them up, you should stop trying to pick them up. And instead, you should invite them to move. So what that looks like is you having a high-pitched, happy voice, and you say their name, and you get really excited, and you say, come on, pup, let's go. Or you clap your hands, come on, pup, pup, let's go, clap, clap, clap. And you move away from where the dog currently is, hoping that this fun, friendly, light invitation will get the dog to follow you. Now, some dogs may be real comfortable in the spot where they're at. They don't want to move and they don't want to be bothered. And so sometimes you need to find out what motivates them. So for example, you might grab one of their favorite cookies or treats or a little piece of cheese or chicken, whatever is valuable to that dog, because every dog is different. And you may toss a treat in the direction that you would like them to move. Now, some dogs, such as my own, they go crazy for balls. I mean, like obsessed crazy. And so I actually think for my dog Pippin, that if I tossed a ball in the direction I wanted him to go, that would be a much higher value item and much more motivating to him than any type of food that I could be throwing. So I would encourage this family to think about what motivates this little guy so that they can help him to not feel that he has no autonomy at times when they want to move him around because dogs repeat what they practice. And if he growls and he is not listened to, this is a type of dog that could bite as an alternative. So if he's growling and saying, hey, I don't like what you're doing and you do it anyway, That's the recipe for someone to get bitten. And as the adults in the house, if he bites you, that's a responsibility that you're willing to take on for yourself, but that is not something that you should allow to happen to your daughter. So it's very important that she never picks up this dog without consent. She can invite him over onto her lap, but she should never be picking him up because that breaks trust. She should never be the one to move him if he's doing something naughty, and we should encourage her to ask the parents to move him or to intervene or to get help if he's doing something that he shouldn't be doing, because he's still young enough that he's going to be getting in into shenanigans and doing silly behaviors, 
And that's fun and that's great. And that's one of the reasons we love our doodles so much. But it's also not the girl's responsibility as a seven-year-old child to be involved with policing his behavior. So she should not be approaching the dog without his consent. She should never be picking him up without his consent or moving him. Those are all jobs that adults should be doing and not kids. So at the end of the day, growling is communication. And I would encourage anybody who's listening to this episode to download my free resource called the ABCs of Growling, which is available in the show notes below. And if you are listening on iTunes or Spotify or another podcast player, I will tell you where you can find the ABCs of growling so that you can download your copy because it talks a bit about how to understand your dog and then what to do in response should they growl. Because at the end of the day, we really want to set everyone up to feel safe living together so that your kids and dogs can live together in harmony. So in closing, I just wanted to thank Corinne for sharing this question with me. And I would encourage all of you who have doodles to check her out at the Doodle Pro. She's amazing and a wealth of resources. And I would also encourage Corinne's listeners to follow me at Pooch Parenting on Facebook and Instagram if they have kids and want to ensure that their family gets along really well and that there's more safety and less chaos living together with your kids and your dogs. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Pooch Parenting Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave a review. But even better yet, tell a friend. Are you in some mom's groups, perhaps? Or maybe you're friendly with your pediatrician. Please let them know that resources like this exist because the information that I share with my people goes beyond what most baby books offer. And a lot of parents need support. You'd be doing them a favor. Thanks again. Have a great day.